millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is an RNZ podcast. Na mihi nui and welcome to Elemental, RNZ's chemistry podcast. We are marking the International Year of the Periodic Table with an alphabetical look at the chemical elements. I'm Alison Balance and I'm quite frankly appalled at myself, really, for discovering just how many chemical elements I had never heard of before. Thank goodness for this podcast, which is teaching me heaps. And I'm Alan Blackman from the Auckland University of Technology, and I am also learning heaps. I've got to admit, I'm a professor. People think professors know everything. Hell no, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is episode 24 of Elemental, which means we're actually a quarter of the way through our series. But we have only just made it to the fourth letter in the alphabet, the letter D, and Once again, it's one that's a complete mystery to me this week. Dysprosium. Dysprosium, Alice? Yes, yes. Has me quite disconcerted and (laughs) discombobulated. Spelt D-Y-S-P-R-O. Where does that name even come from? Okay, so dysprosium comes from the Greek, and again, excuse my pronunciation, dysprositos, which means, uh, quite appropriately, hard to get. Oh, that's an excellent name. Hard to get. <laughs> okay, vital statistics, dysprosium, chemical symbol DY, atomic number 66, which sort of puts it in the middle of the periodic table, and it was first discovered in 1886. And it's a lanthanoid. So we've met a few lanthanoids in our trip thus far, also known as rare earth elements, and again, that makes it a metal. And hands up those of you listening who've actually ever heard of dysprosium. Not me. Yes, no, I can't see many hands out there. No, Jason in the sound studio's got his hand up. He's shaking his head. (laughs) He's never heard of it either. Well, quite surprisingly, it's twice as abundant as tin on Earth. So, Hmm. yeah, yeah. Again, I'm telling you, I'm learning things every day. So why has it got this name hard to get? Or why was it derived from the Greek for hard to get? Because it was, in fact, hard to get. And um, (laughs) the guy that eventually got it, I'm sure, named it very, very appropriately. It was probably a heartfelt name. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes. Hours in the lab here. Days, weeks, months, probably. And as we've talked about before with the lanthanoid elements, we find that they tend to occur together and they can be quite difficult to separate. So in 1886, there was a sample of... Yttrium oxide. Now, yttrium is another element that we will come to. Quite a long way down the track <laughs> oh, since yes. it starts with Y. In, in the Ys, yes, indeed. So there was a sample of yttrium oxide, which is a rare earth oxide. So further study of this found that it contained two other lanthanoid elements, and these are erbium and terbium. God, they sound so. like sort of gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> so what they did was to take the erbium fraction, and then they started investigating that and doing some studies on it, and that was shown to, do, to actually contain two other 
elements holmium and thulium. Oh, good Lord, this episode is full of things I've never heard of. <laughs> and then the holmium fraction was found to be contaminated with dysprosium oxide. And so they tried to separate the dysprosium from the holmium, and this took 32 precipitations of the hydroxide and then another 26 precipitations of the oxalate. So anybody who's ever been in a chemistry lab would know that that would take a long amount of time. And so that's why the name was given, hard to get. And the name of the discoverer is also as good as the element name. His name was Paul-Émile Lecoq de Bois-Baudrin. <laughs> <laughs> That's some name, and the recipe of how to find it is also quite a performance. Is it worth all that effort? Well, it's another element, isn't it? So, of course, it's worth all that effort, <laughs> even if it's not the most useful element on planet Earth. The pure metal is, like all of the lanthanoids, very reactive, and so if you put it in an atmosphere of either air or water, then it will react with both of those. It's used in halide discharge lamps, so dysprosium iodide. That gives a very, very intense white light out of these lamps. The dysprosium oxide is used in nuclear reactors as a surmet. Now, this is a word that I uh, hadn't come across before, and a surmet is a mixture of a ceramic and a metal. So this is mixed with nickel, and what happens is that this mixture absorbs neutrons without changing its size. And absorbing neutrons moderates the fission reaction and keeps <laughs> everything safe. Well, I have to say its uses are sounding pretty niche so far. Yes, you want niche? Let's keep going. <laughs> so dysprosium compounds are also important, and they've been very, very highly studied at the moment as single-molecule magnets. We think of magnets as being big three-dimensional slabs of magnetic material, but we can make dysprosium compounds which, as the molecules themselves, act as magnets. What else does dysprosium do? Well, it's a component of a thing called terphenol. And that is a mixture of uh, terbium and iron and dysprosium, and I think we've got some oxygen in there as well. And that is what is called a magnetostrictive alloy. Which and, means what? It <laughs> means what? Quite amazingly, if you apply a magnetic field to this stuff, it changes its shape. Oh. Which is kind, kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And so that could make it potentially very, very useful in very small-scale motors or pumps or things like that where you require some motion. So... If you had to say what's the most important usage of dysprosium, it's definitely in magnets, and it does find use in electric vehicle motors, so drive motors for electric vehicles. Now, it works really, really well here. Trouble is, you need about 100 grams per electric vehicle, and how much dysprosium do we get out of the planet every year? Only around about 100 tonnes, and 99% of that comes from China. And so at 100 grams per vehicle and only 100 tonnes a year, we aren't going to get many vehicles out of that. So that really isn't going to work, no. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Even I can do the maths on that one. And back to the single molecule magnet thing, what, what use are single molecule magnets? Well, potentially they're very, very useful in computer technology and it's a replacement for our current silicon-based computer technology. The reason being that, as you know, computers work in binary, zeros and ones, and magnets sort of work in binary as well. They can be aligned with a magnetic field or opposed to a magnetic field. And so if you can make individual molecule magnets, then you can use them as computer bits. And that then is going to shrink down, uh, in particular, computer storage. It's going to shrink it down absolutely massively, orders of magnitude, if we can get these things to work. So that is, is certainly a potential usage for dysprosium in the future. 
Well, that certainly sounds intriguing, and I know you're only talking about using individual molecules, but surely you have to use lots of individual molecules. And don't you, when I'm thinking of the number of silicon chips, for instance, that we go through each year these Mm. days, wouldn't we immediately start running into the same supply issues for electric vehicles? (laughs) I think you're probably right there. We very probably would, yes. Anyway, so I think it's just proved its name. It's hard to get, but in a different way now. It's just that its supply is limited. There's just not enough of the stuff. (laughs) <laughs> but the same, Alan, can't be said of this podcast. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> there are still plenty of episodes of Elemental coming your way over the next few months. So to keep it coming, why not subscribe to the podcast on your favourite podcast app? And you can always listen online at rnz.co.nz forward slash Elemental. Elemental is a podcast from RNZ. I'm Alan Blackman from the Auckland University of Technology. And I'm Alison Balance. Thanks for your company. Catch you next time. Cheerio. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.